This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and great to be together. We've got a lot to cover today. In a few moments, we'll talk with our old friend, Ted Malik. I want to ask Ted Malik, who's an expert on, well, he's an expert on international affairs and also uh, business. I want to ask him about a piece he wrote about five days ago called uh, Biden's Foreign Policy Spread Eagle. Uh, and he talks about how it seems like everything he does is surrendering. We're now under another set of questions about ransomware attacks on American companies. And, uh, of course, there's no real strength coming out of the Biden administration. We'll see. We'll talk with him. We'll also check in with Dr. Brett M. Decker. Dr. Decker, of course, as a specialist in many things, a New York Times bestselling author, 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 and also uh, has spent much of his career, a bunch of his career in Asia. We'll talk with him about China, the communist regime. Uh, okay. But we have to get to a few things today that happened earlier today. The biggest news, it's only being mildly covered, but the biggest news is over in Pennsylvania, uh, State Senator Doug Mastriano is, uh, Doug Mastriano has decided, and he's a state senator, he's voted out of his committee, uh, subpoenas for a bunch of counties to do an audit of the Pennsylvania elections. Now, what you need to know, like I've told you over and over, is that politics and sort of the areas around Around politics are rarely a knockout blow. It's death by a thousand cuts. And last week, and we talked about it on the program yesterday, John Schlafly mentioned and gave us an analysis of the U.S. Supreme Court giving an opening for uh, real protections on election integrity and allowing states to do that and not being tied up by silly federal judges who say they can't. The big decision last week, the Arizona Supreme, the Supreme Court cases before uh, that, that were about Arizona laws. Well, this week, we have a state senator from Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, who is going ahead and saying, we're going to look and audit Pennsylvania just like they're doing in Arizona. Again, getting to the bottom of this, it's not about overturning the election. Some people think that could happen. I, I, don't, I see that as long. I see that as a long shot because I just don't see how you sort of play out the politics of that. Um, but we'll see. But more importantly, what you're trying to do is make sure that this doesn't happen again and that we don't have in 2022 or 2024 anytime and uh, and we get to the bottom of what happened and you're only going to do that by, you know, a thousand subpoenas or a thousand cuts, however you want to look at it. You just got to make slow but steady progress and get to the bottom of what exactly happened and see what it you know what you can find out some of it may be a smoking gun it may be something dramatic where people are saying oh yeah see that that's a real problem that's a real it could be that there's fraud i have always maintained that there is fraud i don't know how much i do think that the uh, more likely um or one of the likely things you're going to find is that the democrats knew uh what they were doing and and they were when they when they talked about fortifying the election in other words they had a lot of legal plans to try to get things to go the way it went. They, I think they had some that were legal. I'm not sure we'll ever get to the bottom of those, but we may get to the point where we see, hey, look at um, look at all of the things that we found that, and what they were doing, and you will be able to say, even if you can't put them in, in jail, you can say, um, yeah, there are um, things that were done that were way outside of the norm, and whether they're legal or not, we'll find out, but we'll get to the bottom of it. So that's good news. Another piece of good news, and I feel a little mixed on this one, is that Donald 
Donald Trump is fighting back and is leading a lawsuit that would uh, sue all big tech for violations of a class action of his rights as well as others. He's the leading uh, participant in a class action. Now, the reason I feel a little mixed on this is... A lot of people, and I can't say I was a big leader on this, but I had some I had some role in talking about it. During his presidency, we thought Donald Trump should do more against the tech giants. It feels like he thought he could charm them, like he did in 2016, where they loved the attention and the action, and therefore, even if they disagreed with his policies, they never shut him down. Well, they decided to shut him down, and I think a lot of us predicted that they would do that when, it, when they needed to, and they certainly did. And so we now see see uh, how powerful that is. You talk about things that were done in the election cycle in 2020. Uh, you know, the, the, the burying of the Hunter Biden laptop. The New York Post wrote about it. Everyone else didn't, including big tech. They shut it down and Twitter was pulling down any uh, accounts that were um, uh, commenting on it. You know, big tech and, and the main mainstream media uh, had a massive role in promoting the um, the polls that were almost universally incorrect, polls that showed that Trump was going to lose by 9 or 10 and everybody was going to lose, it was a, de- a Republican and all that kind of stuff, that all turned out to be false. And I believe it really was, it was it was the use of what I call fake polls. It was meant to suppress turnout for Trump. It was also meant to change your mind. A lot of people, psychologists study this, behavioral psychologists study this all the time. And they, say, and they look at this and they say, um, you know, when people want to join the winner if you if you do a poll i'll never forget john ashcroft the attorney general former attorney general of the united states as well as a senator from missouri and a longtime missouri politician he once told me if everybody that voted for you if everybody that tells you they voted for you actually voted for you you would have won he was joking because i lost my race really close and he lost an early race i think we ran for congress Everybody said, everybody's going to tell you they voted for you. And he said, but, you know, you're just going to sit there and shake your head and say, how could I not win? And the point here is that lots of people are persuaded and want to be on the winning side. That is part of the reason why you see the media fight so hard uh, to to get a narrative. Excuse me. Let me say that better. That's why you see candidates and campaigns and from politicians to businesses fight to get a narrative because they know the narrative has a persuasive effect. It will move people in a direction. And so, you know, in this case, Joe Biden got every single possible break it could get, right? It was like he he had the nicest coverage from uh, the media. And meanwhile, Donald Trump was slogging uphill. And so, you know, now it is true now that the president, he only got silenced after the election. So I don't want to overdo that. But his lawsuit now is about his silencing and others. And we'll see how he does in terms of uh, making some progress. I mean, you know, again, some of us feel a little mixed on this because it feels like something he could have addressed more specifically in um while he was in uh, power, uh, while he was in office. Um, now, one last comment, uh, because it's closer to home. In the Commonwealth of Virginia, there is a great big county called Loudoun County, which is about 30 or 40 miles west of the swamp. And out there, lots of folks live. lots of farms. Lots of folks live. It's a good place. Nice people. It's, it's a, I, I, live, I live in um, Fairfax County, a little closer to the swamp. And uh, But Loudoun County is on the front page of Politico over the school board fights. And the school board fights that are happening in Loudoun County in every county, it looks like. And we now have definitive proof of the power 
and the insanity of the school teachers unions. In the last four or five days, the NEA has had their annual convention and they had they passed resolutions saying that they support critical race theory. They used another name for it, but they also said they will take on and and any parents group that is opposing them and they will defend any uh, teacher or school board member who has to fight back against these parents. Now, after that was passed, these resolutions, the head of the NEA said as much in a, in a speech. Now they're all backtracking. They're all backpedaling. They're saying it's not what they meant. It's not what they're doing. It's not blah, 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 bing, 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 bing. It doesn't matter. That no matter what, now, people know in this country that the fight for our future, it, it will go through the schools and our school boards. And my only caution here is as, how, as you find out the truth of the school boards, my caution is that you understand how important it is to have a solution on the other side. In other words, being against Common Core which is five years ago, that a lot of people got snowed when they thought, yeah, I won Common Core, and then they changed the name of the thing, they went back to what they were doing, and, you, and people moved on with their lives. Right now, you're seeing the teachers' unions saying, we're going to stand up and roll you. Now they're starting to retreat a bit and say, well, we're changing the name. We're not going to call it critical race theory. We're going to call it equity, and we're going to see if we can get parents and others to move on. And frankly, it happens a lot that parents and others move on. And the reason has to do with the fact that most people, they pay taxes, they live in a place, and they want to believe the decisions they make for their kids are good ones. Most people don't want to be told you put your kids through, you know, a a hellish existence. They don't want to hear that. So in this case, we need to make room for people to recognize that whatever their choices in the past, now the teachers union went too far. That's a psychology thing. But if we we can do that. I think we're going to see people uh, uh, opposed to the direction of the school boards. And then the solution is, first of all, teach patriotism. That's true. But another part of the solution is recognize that every kid is different and if parents have different ideas what their kids should have sometimes that has to do with votex sometimes has to do with attention deficit sometimes has to do with the preference of families and we should have the dollars from taxes follow the students so students can go wherever it's best for them for black kids in an inner city that might even be a boarding school for conservative uh christians in a in a uh, suburban area that might be a, a christian school that preference should be parents There's a lot going on. It's good stuff. It's a good day. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We will talk again with uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker and Ted Malik. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend Ted Malik and uh, Dr. Ted Malik, well-known author, also a businessman. He uh, both sides of the pond, I think they say, the Atlantic. He's especially active over in Europe and an observer and writing, writing, writing all the time. He actually has two pieces that I want to talk about. And the first one is from about five or six days ago uh, from American Greatness, amgreatness.com. The title is The Biden Doctrine. And I love this. American Spread Eagle. And the reason I bring this up today, Ted, and again, we're talking with Ted Malik, is Ted is that, um, you know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, when Joe Biden, I mean, it seems like a lifetime ago, went to Europe, he lectured Vladimir Putin and he said, you, you don't let any of your people do that ransomware thing on these 16 sites. And he listed them. And so in the last uh, 36 hours or so, 48 hours, it's discovered that, well, Putin or whoever, whatever thugs in Russia uh, did this, they left the 16 sites, but they happened to attack all sorts of other American assets and American businesses and all. To me, it's the perfect example of the Biden doctrine where clueless 
And and you almost can't blame Putin for not saying, OK, if you're that silly and that dumb, I'm just going to go do this over here and see what you do about it. And I guess the question at this point, Ted, is how hard is the world laughing at Joe Biden? Well, I think the rest of the world is and certainly the leaders of some of our most uh, uh, devious adversaries and enemies, let's call them what they are. Um, right. So this is not this is not a coherent foreign policy. It's not foreign policy of a great superpower. It's worse than any lame Obama apology tour, you know, lazy speech decrying America's past. It's a bold repudiation of American sovereignty, military, political and economic supremacy and leadership on every single front. It's truly and profoundly anti-American, which is why I told them to use the picture for this article of the white flag. Yeah. And in fact, in the middle, as you write on China and the Communist Party, Biden has literally put up the white flag. China, Joe, as the moniker suggests, doesn't consider the communist Chinese to be adversaries, but noble competitors. I mean, I guess that mindset, Ted, again, we're talking with Ted Malik, that mindset that we're competitors, that we're we're competitors with, uh, you know, another nice nation like ours. And can't we all just kind of go ahead? It's got its echoes in the old Soviet days when people said, if you just, you know, work with the Soviets, they'll they'll end up pretty good. But this is so much different. And I guess the thing I wonder about Biden, he, he you describe him well, but isn't that what a lot of our largest businesses and others have sort of decided they'd rather have? Because in the short term, 10 years, 15 years, maybe they'll survive that? It's a, it, or, or is he even out of step with business? Well, I think he is out of step with business. And uh, I mean, I say at the beginning of this piece, I worked on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee way, way back in my youth when Senator then Joe Biden was the junior elected official from Delaware, also a lobbyist for the credit card industry. And a guy named Tony Blinken was about my age was his then minority flunky. They were dead wrong and have been for 40 years on every foreign policy issue, from Iran to Russia, from treaties to foreign aid to globalism. Uh, I just reminded people, it's not even in this article, that uh, Joe Biden, who's more Irish than he is American, wouldn't even sign on to the deal with the UK to extradite IRA terrorists from the United States back to the UK. Yeah. Um, so it, I guess at least he's consistent. And I, I mean, I guess that's got to mean something, although, you know, it's increasingly clear we're going to come lo- to loggerheads. The only the only possible thing that saves this is some things that, you know, in the quiet of Fourth of July weekend, the Biden administration basically admitted they can't really break. Uh, they can't really do a new Iran deal because Iran's not honest and all. And they're probably backtracking, which means they're stuck with what Trump did. Uh, but let, let me move forward uh, to this, the second essay of yours that just came out two of a kind. And it came out just yesterday, the last day or two, about Bill Clinton and Bill Cosby. Now, the reason I think it's important is it does matter that we have a rule of law that allows for people to, even on a technicality, get out of jail if that was a technicality that was legal. In other words... You know, Cosby says he had a deal with the prosecutor and the prosecutor then later, a new prosecutor, same office, uh, tried to put him in jail. Okay, but there is a in America, we do have some desire and need to judge these people morally. And your point is um, maybe since Bill Clinton, where everybody decided it was okay to accept the behavior that was reprehensible as, you know, just what Bill C. does. We now have Bill Cosby in the same situation. Well, I say they're twins, Ebony and Ivory. They did the same thing. They started the same way. 
I mean, I, I, Clinton only, you know, was involved in assaulting 12 women. Cosby had 63, but the, the, I go through it in some detail, comparing them, and their MO is exactly the same. It has to do with uh, dominance and power. This has nothing to do with sex. This, this is just pure dominance. And uh, we have become a nation of predators. And I mean, basically, the left liberals have swept us under the rug. The universities certainly did where it all started. And the fact is that, uh, you know, they get a pass. Do you think um, do you think that uh, when someone says, as I heard someone say in a private conversation, so I won't say who it was, well, all these men in powerful positions acted, you know, acted uh, unpleasantly. First of all, it's, of course, it's not true. But is there something about this modern moment that's got us particularly unhinged? Is it maybe it's only that we're allow these people to be publicly uh, rehabbed instead of shamed out of, uh, you know, public life forever and ever. Um, and, you know, I, and I see conservatives quoting Cosby because of the things he's now willing to say about the media and other things. And I think to myself, you know, I mean, if, uh, you know, if um, if Jeffrey Dahmer said, oh, the media is unfair, yeah, I don't think we'd quote it. And, and to your point, a lot of stuff's been admitted by Cosby, whether it's, again, illegal or not is a different question. I don't know enough, but it's certainly nasty. And same thing with Bill Clinton. But what, what, what's what's with America or what's with the world? Is it just we're at a different place? We've broken that down. What is that? Why are we here? No, no, I think that the, the mores, the traditions, the values, I would, and I think you would agree, the spiritual underpinnings of our civilization have almost been eroded. I mean, we're living on the uh, on the fumes of the past. So there's there's very little grounds for moral criticism. The liberal, atheist, secular press, and actually the entire elite, so it's not just the press, basically has a different worldview than we have. Uh, my next piece, if you want to know what I'm writing presently, yeah. is entitled, yeah. and I think your uh, your uh, listeners would appreciate this, <laughs> yeah. The Full Armor of God. Ah, excellent. Okay, good. When's that coming out? When was that soon? Well, we'll see in the next week or so. But, uh, okay. of course, you know the origins of that piece. And Ron DeSantis used it in a speech, and the press went apoplectic. Right, right, exactly. No, and he has, he has, he has uh, stepped into that mantle uh, uh, and uh, making the press crazy. All right, uh, Ted, one more question. I know I, I wanted to ask you this. I'm looking back at my notes when I was thinking I was talking to you. I don't know if you've seen the president, president when I say that, the president, President Trump, in his rallies, the last two rallies, and then his uh, press conference about big tech. Uh, it, mm-hmm. if, I was there on January 6th at his speech at the Ellipse, and it, it had a decided um, valedictory uh, feel to it. It was not, I didn't come away particularly fired up on January 6th. I thought, eh, it feels like there's sort of something about him that's not quite the same. Are you feeling, I heard from people, they feel like the energy is not uh, quite the way it was for the Trump effort. Are, do you feel that or do you see that? Yeah, I think that there, there's some uh, evidence to that. I mean, it has to do with age. It has to do with, uh, you know, the political realities. It has to do with, the, you know, the battle that he's been fighting, you know, which right. has frankly gone on for years and years and years. But, yeah, there there isn't that same uh, elan. And, I mean, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, an idea out there that Trump is not going to be the next uh, standard bearer in 19, you know, in 2024. So that, that realization right. has probably set in on him as well. He can still be a kingmaker. can still be an influencer. His, uh, you know, his uh, support is going to be absolutely critical, but we're probably moving on generationally. 
Well, I guess I, I maybe misspoke a little bit. I felt it in the crowd, too. I, watching the few uh, of these rallies, I felt like the crowd didn't quite have the same edge to it. Did you did you feel that watching it? Well, that I don't know, because that, that's something that you almost have to be there to, to touch and smell yeah, and feel true. and interact with. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I'm really glad that you didn't go over to the Capitol then on January 6th. So. No, 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 that's right. I went back to my office, although I wondered, uh, I, you know, what I saw was a great bunch of people actually kind of felt like a, uh, I don't know, a big, a big rally, more even than a riot. I mean, when they call it a riot, I still think I don't know, it felt like a rally. But um, all right, Ted Malik, as always, thank you for your great writing uh, over to American Greatness, amgreatness.com. I'll put it up there on, and on social media, and we'll look forward to your next piece and talking to you very soon, Ted. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Bye. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, you'll see all these interviews as standalone interviews. You can sign up for my daily email on at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, Ed Martin Live on Facebook, and everywhere at, e- at Ed Martin on, uh, on uh, Parler and Gab. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker. Dr. Decker is a New York Times bestselling author, a professor at Defiance College in Ohio, and has served at the highest levels of American journalism, including uh, on the Wall Street Journal Asia Beat and uh, as the editorial page editor of the Washington Times. Also served in the senior position, excuse me, in the Bush 2 administration, W. Bush administration. Dr. Decker, welcome uh, back to the program. I feel, and I've wanted to for a few days, to talk to you about China, the communist Chinese regime's celebrated 100 years, 100th anniversary of the Communist uh, uh, Party's founding. I got to think, like, the first 50 years weren't so strong. They were kind of getting their bearings or whatever. But still, they celebrated 100 years, and um, they're dominant now in China. And President Xi gave a big speech. Uh, What are your thoughts? Well, you know, their first 50 years were important because, they, you know, they killed tens of millions of people to consolidate power. So, right, I mean, people people forget about that now. You know, everyone talks about uh, Hitler, sometimes Stalin, but Mao made both of those two look like pikers as far as killing. You know, Mao, Mao, the founder of the Communist Party, killed 80 million of his own people, 80. Think how many right people that is. And uh, still, if you go to China today, you go to Hong Kong today, you know, you buy post, they, they sell posters, watches, cufflinks, T-shirts with like a smiling mile on it. And it's, it's the biggest mass murder in history by far. So, you know, I think that foundation he laid um, is still strong. And that's still what the party is today. Right. President Xi um, uh, clamping down has concentration camps. Everyone, everyone points this out. The news talks about it. And then. Uh, at, uh, you know, out of the other side of their mouth, they talk about how, you know, China's growing and, and, and all this kind of thing and becoming more mature. And and a lot of people have their heads stuck in the sand on on how dangerous this is. You know, three years ago, um, a lot of people now are talking about, oh, is, is she going to get another term next year and, and all that? Because <laughs> there used to be right. a, two, a two term limit on the president of China. And three years ago, they got rid of it. And that was. That, that was clearly just so President Xi could have sort of be president for life. So um, a lot of that discussion out there is just is just uh, sort of invincibly ignorant. Right. Because um, the Communist Party set it up so she can be the next Mao. And, and I think that's what people need to realize. 
Uh, we're talking with Dr. Uh, Brett M. Decker, but um, on this. Um, on the, on the question now of, of China broadly, 1.4 billion people, and, and you know, history doesn't repeat itself. That's always a dumb thing for people to say, but there's ways to look at it. And you say, okay, how does it, how did it play out? The Soviet Union, for example, uh, at a certain point, the Russian people and the economy couldn't hold the com- competition that the Soviets tried to compete militarily with uh, Reagan. You know, they made some bad choices, but the Chinese regime has such a powerful lock on one point. For, for four million people, is there any hope uh, in your sense that that the Chinese people are, are going to demand something different? I mean, is that even a possibility, or is the sort of culture in such a way that you know you're you're part of this team and you're not going to uh, you're not going to even contemplate that? Yeah, I mean that, that fundamental question is really important, and, and it's kind of there are two parts to that answer that I think are central to kind of understanding China, especially how China is different than, say, the Soviet Union, is, is one, the, the culture of the Chinese um, is much different than, right? The Soviets were basically corrupted former Christians, right? So they were living a diso- sort of dissolute communist life, right? Extraordinary amounts of alcoholism, right, and to this day in Russia. But the male population died in their 40s and 50s, even during the Soviet era. Well, the Chinese are very, very, very serious. They don't have this sort of guilt shadow overhanging them like the Russians do. And uh, what's very important culturally is since they were never Christian, the Chinese mostly, right? They were Confucianists and different versions of sort of Buddhism and, and, you know, uh, ancestor worship and that kind of thing. They, they They never had the concept sewn into their identity that you have their, that the individual soul exists. So they, they always have thought of themselves as being part of a collective Buddhism, right? The height of Buddhism is getting rid of the individuality to become one with everything, one with the universe. Well, that's a great backdrop to become communist, right? You're just a number. So they, right. they don't have the hangups of, of Christianity that sort of stopped the Soviets from being sort of even better communists. So the, the Chinese are kind of this ideal fertile ground for being communists. So and so in that in that sense, and again, we're talking with Dr. Brett Decker on the, on the hundredth anniversary of the Communist Chinese uh, part, the Communist Party in China, and uh, how powerful uh, control, uh, how powerful and strong their control is of of that massive nation. Um, in that sense, because I I, I want to reinforce that again. I, earlier in the program, I mentioned a conversation I had with a friend of mine who's in law enforcement in um and and doing counterintelligence and other things, and he was saying, look, the Chinese are just they're culturally different than anybody. They're not the same as the Russians are. They're not the same as the Europeans. They just approach things differently. He talked about how it's either money, pay for it, or steal it. And uh, either one is fine. It, it doesn't matter. But my point here is, as a culture, if it's true, we can't beat them, meaning we can't win the same way we did with the Soviets. And, and the question right now is, you know, with Joe Biden, again, earlier on the program, we had a, a conversation um with uh, Ted Malik about how Joe Biden's policy towards China is to look at them as a really tough competitor. Well, if you look at them as a really tough competitor, I think they might be better than us as a competitor because they don't have any of the ethics or, or morality and they don't have anything like property rights when it comes to us. And so, you know, are we trapped in a system, a culture, our own, that is incompatible for the fight with the communist Chinese regime? I mean, it kind of reminds you of 
the right versus the left here, right? The left lies about everything and breaks all the rules and the right doesn't and we lose, right? <laughs> a lot of the time. So <laughs> right. it, it, it's kind of the same thing there. And I think what, what's really important for everybody to realize is how hard of a turn President Xi has, turned, has made to becoming a hardliner and an absolutely sort of died-in-the-wool communist because after Mao died in 1976, you had basically 30 years of leaders who were moderate. You, uh, Chu and Lai took over. After him, you had Deng Xiaoping. And then you had, um, after that, you had, uh, boy, who am I forgetting here? Oh, Zheng Zemin after that. So mm-hmm. you basically had 30 years of communist leaders who said, for China to be successful in the future, we have to become part of the international system, part of the global system, and we have to sort of become like everybody else. Well, uh, they, right. they've given up on becoming like everybody else, and under President Xi, they want to become the next the next sole superpower and make everybody like them. So they don't want to play by the rules or be part of the system anymore. They want to change the system and, and sort of be the leader of the system, and it, it's a pretty big change. And that's also why you're not going to see anything bubble up from underneath because they crush anything that disagrees with them now. Um, that 30 year of moderate reign, they allowed people to kind of disagree and dissent and you had a lot of moderates. Well, um, right. President Xi has done some reformist moves and the, the press talks about, oh, look, he's clean up corruption. That's just his way of getting rid of anybody that disagrees with him, right? It's getting rid of opposition. <laughs> right, right. So. Right. So that's what that's what you have to look the, uh, at. It's gone gone hard to the other direction and to, towards authoritarianism. Uh, one more quick question. We're talking with Dr. Brett Decker. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk ask you about this because of your uh, vast experience in the media. Uh, President Trump announced that he's going to be the lead uh, class uh, participant in a class action against big tech. Uh, I don't know your thoughts on that. I, you know, I don't know how you win anything like that necessarily. You know, I, I think people need to go after right. big tech, but, but you know, judges and Congress and nobody's going to harm any of these people, right? They're, they're sort of beyond um, reproach right now. And, and, I, and I think it's, it's dangerous, right? But our side isn't going to win in any of these arguments. So you, you still have to press forward, but I, I don't see how that's going to have any really real import in the future. Yeah, you know, you, the way you just said it is the way I, I, I you, you captured what I feel, which is, yeah, okay, you get into courts, good. Well, now you're at the uh, you're at the mercy of judges and courts of appeals, and and uh, as we showed in the last election, the Democrats they spent money on a thousand plus lawyers to litigate the election. I'm talking about in June, July, August of uh, 2020. And at the time, I went to the Trump campaign. I asked who their lawyers were. They had three, a thousand versus three, because the left lives to for these fights. They passed most of what they wanted through judges, you know, talk about the redefinition of marriage, abortion rights. It's a scandal. All right. Anyway, I got to run. I'm sorry, Dr. Decker. I ran out of time. Dr. Brett Decker uh, over at Defiance College, New York Times bestselling author. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. If you decide that the COVID vaccine is right for you, I won't stand in your way. However, what I cannot tolerate is the despotic, taxpayer-funded universities who want to force all of their students to get the vaccine, whether they want it or not. 
From the East Coast to the West, many universities are requiring that students take the vaccine or not return to campus. This shouldn't come as a big surprise to anyone who pays attention to higher education. Universities are pockets of totalitarianism accountable to no one. They stand as opposed to genuine liberty as they do to Donald Trump. Although these schools were once thought to be America's foremost hubs of free speech, they are also the place where political correctness started and still thrives today. Requiring vaccination of all students is popular among university administrators who sometimes exempt the faculty. Colleges copy each other in demanding that every student be vaccinated with virtually no exceptions. Yet if these schools ever hope to fulfill their stated goal of giving students autonomy of the mind, how can they deny their students autonomy of the body? Why should students be required to introduce a foreign substance into their body with no regard for the wishes of the student? In Florida, pro-Trump Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law a ban on COVID vaccine mandates, forcing a university there to reverse its requirement. Although conservatives should consider this a big victory, we must not forget the college students elsewhere who must either roll up their sleeves for shots or face expulsion. Some students are responding with protests, as was seen recently at Rutgers University. Again, I do not want to stand in the way of anyone who thinks the vaccine is a good fit for them. As an American, I respect your right to make that choice. However, I cannot fathom why these universities would force vaccines on the people least likely to need them. That's the science. If universities really want to force their students to make healthy choices, why not force them to attend classes without trigger warnings? That would be a refreshing change. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you have a college-bound son or daughter? Do you care about the next generation? At phyllisschlafly.com, we expose the liberal agenda and anti-Christian mindset found on most college campuses and help equip conservative students to stand up for their beliefs. Visit us at phyllisschlafly.com and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, great news today. Great news coming out of uh, Chris Kobach. Uh, Chris Kobach, of course, the very famous and talented lawyer who served as the Secretary of State in Kansas. Uh, he ran for governor and did not win. He um, he was, He's one of the smartest guys around. I think he's a, you know, just an incredibly talented lawyer. And he has a new lawsuit. He is leading a new group's effort uh, to sue and to fight back against the insanity of uh, the immigration policy. So let me walk you through exactly what's happening and really encourage you. I'll put these links up uh, on the um, on the on my website and on social media and I ask you to take a look because it is, uh, I, I got an email from a friend this morning, then I saw the story breaking uh, a little bit but not getting much traction and the, um, the, 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 the the organization that has helped uh, make this happen is, uh, is one that Chris Kobach is helping to lead and it's called the Alliance for Free Citizens allianceforfreecitizens.org and they have recently uh, filed a lawsuit saying, basically, there are laws on the books, 
that were passed by our Congress and signed by the governor, the president, and they need to be enforced. And it's not appropriate for the president just to ignore them because he has a different preference on immigration. If he wants to change the immigration laws, he has to go about changing the immigration laws. And he has to do it in a way that the uh, that the Constitution and the, and the laws, our system, requires. And so that's what this is about. It's a good lawsuit. And more importantly, it does, I think, hone us in on what is one of the key issues. As much as you're finding me fight over the reality of the election integrity, and I'm talking about it all the time, I want to get to the bottom of it, one thing I have to tell you is the issues that are impacting normal Americans, when they look out there and they say, huh, what's happening to my country? One of them is the illegal immigration. Another one, by the way, is the education system, our students being stuck. Another one is the economy and how it's stalling and inflation and all. But one of them is immigration, because we have a system now that is flooding America with millions and millions of people, and we don't have a way to assimilate them and we don't in fact have a plan for it we're just allowing the cartels on the border in mexico to be in charge of our immigration uh, policy and so kobach chris kobach returning is a really really good deal it's a really important thing and it should get people energized and here's my wild card i saw it covered on breitbart which is a, no surprise breitbart covers uh, good stuff all the time it's a it's an op-ed piece from about five days ago by chris kobach himself i haven't heard much other coverage I have not heard much other coverage. Again, the lawsuit was filed, uh, and this the group that's supporting it has helped pull together Texas sheriffs and counties, ICE officers, and the lawsuit was filed down in Galveston, Texas. And the Alliance for Free Citizens, I mentioned, if you go to allianceforfreecitizens.org, you can find out more, and right on the front page, you can click on the complaint and see what they're saying. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. The laws are there to be enforced and th- there's only a certain range of uh of um sort of executive privilege or executive um uh discretion you don't get to change the laws because you don't like them you know this is like the old thing is prosecutorial discretion right if you're and if you're a law enforcement officer and you're walking down the street and you see somebody drive by and they're going 54 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour speed limit you might say well i'm going to make a decision not to go after that person but you don't get to decide as to fundamental laws on our immigration policies that you're going to ignore them and let me tell you a quick story i was i told you i was i did some traveling last week for some family issues and ended up seeing some old friends one of them is a longtime law enforcement officer in precisely the area of illegal immigration and especially uh the question of trafficking and also some of the international uh applications of it he's done some work uh, he happens to have some background in uh, asia so he's done a bunch of work on the chinese that are targeting us he said to me Ed, the morale has dropped among people who literally, he said, we're we're taking investigations and we're going, we're proceeding and we're getting it all together. And we're not actually, we just know at some point it will get killed by the powers that be, meaning they won't proceed. They won't uh, move forward. They won't enforce things. And he said, that's how everybody feels because they can see from the top down. That's the way it's going to be. And so good for Chris Kobach and good for uh, for the folks that have gotten together, the Alliance for Free Citizens dot org. Go there and you can find out how you can join and be a part of it. Uh, but, you know, we've got to find ways to fi- find out, fight back the um, the cases. Uh, sheriffs, uh, sheriffs, federal, um, the sheriffs and federal police foundation v. Joe Biden. That's the lawsuit. You can see that on the website. So, uh, again, people ask all the time, what can we do? Look, anything that you can do that's smart 
Chris Kobach's always smart, that can put some uh, attention on the problem and also create some friction and slow things down. Those are all positive. Do not think you can only wait until 2022 or 2024 to try to get this to fight back. We don't we can't think like that. We've got to think in the way that we're talking about that. How do we find and how, how do we find what pieces we can do? Lots of folks are finding ways to do that. I mentioned earlier in the program in the open school board races are an error. Excuse me. School board meetings, not races. Races will be later on in the year and next year. School board meetings, recall petitions. And that's a way to get to education. Talking about these issues, finding the groups, as I've told you before. Sink your roots, know what it's about, study critical race theory, study what they're doing with our, our school boards, study the COVID, the great Wuhan uh, breakdown, what they've tried to do to us, study you know, on the immigration issue, look closely, sink your roots deep, lock them in solid, and then find the communities of like-minded people who will who do things with you. Whether it's, again, the Alliance for, excuse me, the Alliance uh, for, let me get it right now, I don't want to mess it up, Alliance for Free Citizens, or any other one. There's lots of other ones. But look for groups when you get together that have action steps, that have action steps, that aren't just saying, we think this is wrong, but are doing something about it. I hate to say this, I will say it carefully. It's better to do something that turns out to be imperfect or even wrong, then do nothing. Too much talk and not doing. We got to do more. All right, I got to go. That's what I have to do. I want to say thank you to Noah, our great producer. Thank you also to Joanna for booking our guests, and thank you for listening. Visit ProAmericaReport.com, sign up for the daily email, and also check in these interviews. I post them all over there, and I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.